When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily. Available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit this offseason. I think you know he's gotten more comfortable in, in throwing balls to me in traffic and um, you know, I say it all the time. I, I take a lot of pride in uh, trying to make the quarterback right. You know, if he chooses to throw the ball to me in traffic, then uh, I want to make sure that he'll make that choice again uh, and do everything I can to catch it. Kyle Rudolph there. Welcome back to hour number two of Purple Daily. Coming up in about 15 minutes, former NFL safety George Iloka. But we start the hour from 538. One of my favorite football writers, Josh Hermsmeyer. How are you, Josh? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on to talk some football. I do I do want to say this is just totally random, but my entire man cave is outfitted, outfitted in TCL TVs, so I'm, I'm, I feel really welcome here on the show. Really, that's great. The TCL Broadcast Studio, you're basically in a TCO studio of your own. That's amazing. Great for TCL yeah. Broadcast t- Televisions in our studio. That's TCL TVs. Um, great job, Josh. And that's the whole interview. That was it. Um <laughs> So, I, I was thinking about uh, a piece you wrote today, which is, uh, is it today, or at least within the last day and a half, whatever it was. Um, really good stuff about quarterbacks outside the pocket and their teams winning. And when you make your chart of quarterbacks throwing outside the pocket, we would expect Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and there's a little Viking logo up at the top for your quarterbacks throwing out of the pocket a lot. Now, Kirk Cousins will only move when you tell him to, but it's been remarkable, Josh, that I think it's this is a sign that Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have got it right with Kirk Cousins because when you move him, he is exceptionally good. Absolutely. And, and when I was charting some of this stuff, and I didn't actually do a deep dive on the Vikings, unfortunately, but... I did look at their percentage of play action uh, out of the pocket, and it's large. That I mean, that's basically what they're doing with yeah. with Cousins. They're, they're, he's not creating out of the pocket in the way we would imagine someone like Patrick Mahomes does. But when they do move him in a design play, when it's schemed, hugely effective. And I think you can see that in that plot. And I think this season, uh, coming into the season, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of analytics nerds were really happy to hear kind of um, that analytics people with inside the organization, the Minnesota organization, had told Cousins they should be doing more play action, that you can't call it enough. And I, I think you're seeing a little bit of that here with this outside-the-pocket success, which has led 
I think, to some uh, success on the field in terms of wins. Yeah, and Josh, I think that's why Kevin Stefanski is going to be the head coach of some other team because I know that he is always dialed into what's being said from the analytics community and things like that. And if teams are trying to be more progressive, uh, he can point to, I took the numbers with his play actions and outside the pocket and I applied them and, and made Kirk Cousins better than he's ever been. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, uh, I think using Cousins correctly is the entire deal. Like, like uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, uh, if he had gone to a bad team, a team that wasn't able and ready and willing to take advantage of his unique traits and his unique abilities, you know, I don't think we would be seeing this type of success. This, you know, obviously this otherworldly success we're seeing mm-hmm. in Baltimore. But if you use Kirk Cousins correctly, he has some amazing traits and he's extremely accurate and he's, uh, he's, he's a very good, um, at, at progressing through his reads, and, and he's a smart quarterback. So I just, I'm excited to see what uh, what Minnesota has done this year with uh, with Kirk and using him to to his best potential. So Josh, here's my question though: when it comes to play actions and things like that, of, of course, those are great for getting you ahead in a football game if you can run the ball or something, right? And then they talk about the play action off it, even though that's kind of a little bit of a myth that you need to run successfully to you know be able to throw off of it, but you need to have somewhat of a running game, and the Vikings have Delvin Cook, who clearly scares the pants off of defenses. It's fun to watch on tape when the three linebackers, because they'll put in an extra tight end or something, when they charge at Delvin Cook and then look around like, wait a minute, Kirk Cousins is halfway across the field. How did that happen? Um, but my question, Josh, though, is is this sustainable in games where you can't really run in in that situation. For example, let's say it's the fourth quarter. Let's just say you're down by four and you've got the ball with two minutes left. Just picking a scenario out of my head here that may have happened on Monday Night Football. Um, You you can't really scheme that up for Kirk Cousins. And and that's where I think um, with Cousins, the shortcomings show up a little bit. I think that's right. And, And one of the things that I was looking at when I was doing this recent article for 538 was, you know, outside the pocket, this, this creating outside of structure. I went through and I charted all the plays for the, uh, the Chiefs um, that were either designed by Andy Reid to be outside the pocket. And then the ones there that was just simply Mahomes being Mahomes and doing the things that we've come to associate with him and, and what makes him a superstar in this league. And it turns out that the, 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 the schemed stuff actually isn't something that you can rely on, you know, looking forward, projecting forward to the future, hmm. whereas the stuff that Mahomes does is a little more sticky. It's something you could say, hey, that's probably going to happen again. And to the extent that, 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 you know, Kirk Cousins has limitations in that regard, and I think, you know, anyone who watches him play would say that, you know, in the big moments, um, in the moments where he has to somehow put the game on his shoulders, that perhaps those are the moments that, uh, that those, those weaknesses show up the most. I think they might have. I think they might have a point, and I think that the analytics might back that up. That has been my theory, Josh, on things like you know, third down in, in seven or, or something like that, where it's got to be probably out of the shotgun and you have to stand in there. And sometimes your guy up front's going to get beat and you have to find a way to go outside the structure and make a play. There are some times where he can do it, but not at the level of a lot of the top quarterbacks. And, and I think, Josh, that even some of the guys who we don't think of as really running quarterbacks still have this ability to make those plays outside of structure. And that's often the difference. I like to watch old football games, which I talk about here on the show. And 
I never thought of Joe Montana as a running quarterback by any means, but the, the guy made more big plays off of, whoops, something broke down, and I made my coach look like a genius because I, I found something down the field. And I don't know how, how you reckon with that with Kirk Cousins. I don't know how you fix it or how you work on it with him. They're always going to say, yeah, we work on that in practice. But when it comes to the games, we saw it the other night against Seattle. It's fourth and short, fourth and three, and he drops back. He's got time to move outside and do something. Instead, throws it to a covered tight end for an incompletion. The game's over. A lot of times, that's the margin of error. Is is that razor thin? Yeah, no. And your point about Montana is absolutely correct. I mean, he had amazing feet. That's in fact, that's the, the first scouting point that Walsh would look at. He looked at the quarterback's feet when he was scouting them, and it's why he kind of landed on Garcia when no one else liked Jeff Garcia back in the day when he was actually consulting still. Uh, being a coach at Stanford, and, and he recommended Garcia for the 49ers. But I think I think having good feet is absolutely crucial, and then being able to move smartly in the pocket. Things that you know, I think I think those type of throws are the ones that still keep Aaron Rodgers in the in the conversation about being elite. Um, and, and it's this. I don't think it's intangible. I think it's something we can actually quantify, and that's mm-hmm. kind of exciting to me. But it's also it's also the case that um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that that is a trait. Um, that Kirk Cousins possesses, and, and and again, but that's okay as long as you build a system around his strengths and try and minimize those weaknesses, keep him out of those third and longs where it's an obvious passing down. Um, I think I think you can I think you can uh, kind of mitigate some of those problems. Right. And that's where Delvin Cook has been valuable this year is you can hand it off to him and you are second and four, and then run play action off of that, and then it all works together. And the Vikings have one of the best offenses in the NFL. But a lot of the conversation here, as you might expect, Josh, is about the Vikings defense not being what it has been in the past. But I was taking a look at teams that appear in the Super Bowl, which is not as scientific as as some of your studies. But the teams that have appeared in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years almost always have a great offense. The defenses are all over the map. Some defenses are absolutely awful, like Atlanta's in 2016, which maybe they needed a little better there to not blow a 28-3 lead. But uh, some teams that even won the Super Bowl had mediocre defenses, and sometimes, like Seattle, uh, the defenses were great. So I think the Vikings are in a better spot now by having an elite offense and an average defense than they ever have been before in the Zimmer era. I agree with that. I think, though, that you want your passing defense to get hot at the right time. And I say hot with scare quotes all around it because, you know, I don't really believe in that kind of thing. But the idea is it's so variable, the the the, the, the performance of your defensive backs against specific opponents with different schemes. It's just really hard to say how they're going to perform any given week. But you want them to somehow get it together as a unit when all links of the chain are performing correctly, Harris Smith, everyone, doing their jobs as best they can at the right moment. And I think they can go far in the playoffs. Um, Because I don't believe, you know, looking at, say, you know, a defense that's been great this far through the season – really tells you much about how they're going to perform these last four weeks into the playoffs. Yeah, it's a great point. And the Vikings, even if their overall ranking is mediocre, the talent they have is there. Uh, when you have two Pro Bowl defensive ends, Eric Kendrick, who's one of the best linebackers in the league by pro football focus grades this year, Harrison Smith, as you mentioned, is an all-pro caliber player. I mean, w- when you have that much talent, I feel like a team like that has an ability to make a big play or, or shut down an opponent in any given playoff game, even if over the entirety of the season they haven't been as good in the past. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think 
I think that's the big hope here. And I think actually, I, I, I five thirty eight. I think our percentages here have uh, Green Bay seventy one percent to win the division. Minnesota's twenty eight. I think it's much closer than that. And you know, I don't can't really you know give you a good reason for this, but. I, I think you know both of them are almost uh, assured, well, you know, of being in the playoffs in some some regard. And I think I think given the the performance of Rodgers and Cousins uh, this year, things that we can rely on, I think you guys stand a good chance of, uh, of of progressing in the playoffs, despite the the fact that you might not win your division. Well, that was the last thing I was going to ask you about, Josh. Is as we look at these playoff matchups, the playoff potential, who the Vikings could face, um, still a lot of possibilities to go with four weeks left. How would you go about deciding what the best matchups potentially for the Vikings, if they were going to have a path all the way to the Super Bowl, what would you look at? What numbers or what factors would you put the highest to determining what their odds are? I would look at Cousins' uh, inside-the-pocket QBR or his EPA per play or whatever metric you want to say to kind of talk about how good he is inside the pocket, uh, along with, specifically for the Vikings, just how well they're able to execute on their play-action uh, concepts. Because, I mean, you guys have Madison and you have uh, and you have Cook. Both of them are just incredible runners. You know, even for a guy like me who says their running backs don't really matter, they both can break tackles, get you the extra yard when you need it. They're fearsome. They, they, they make you really need to gear up uh, to make a tackle on them. I think all that stuff actually matters. Um, you know, defenders will tell you it matters. So I think... I think that's, uh, as you pointed out earlier in the conversation, I think it's a big reason why play action has been so successful. And so I think that recipe, along with your defensive backs getting hot at the right time, I think there's no reason why Minnesota can't go deep in the playoffs. The specific opponents, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know enough right now about the playoff picture. I don't think it's crystallized enough to really go through game by game. But I, I think the only team that no one wants to play right now um, – is is Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens? They're just they're just really really difficult to game plan for. But I think everyone else, I don't see why you guys can't win a game. I really don't. Yeah, I I think the one matchup from my perspective is probably San Francisco because they have such a great defensive line. And when the Vikings have gone against great defensive lines, then it's a problem. Uh, but in one game, or if that game was somehow at U.S. Bank Stadium, um, I don't know if that's a possibility right now. But I guess that still exists. Um, if if that happens, then then it's different. Uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, one of my favorite guys to follow, and uh, especially the other night when Booger McFarland confused the Minneapolis Miracle, that was right in your brand. So um, a great night for you the other well, night. Thank, thank you, thank you for helping point it out. I, I, I almost missed it. Uh, I'm on a, I'm on a delay, and I saw your tweet, and I was like, oh my goodness, he did not just say that. Uh, Tremendous stuff from Booger. He is. I stand for Booger. I know. I know some people felt like want him fired, but I don't want this ever to end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all had uh, quite a time with that the other night. So uh, follow him on Twitter at Frisco Josh if you want more of that content. And at 538 Writes Football, they're always great and interesting stuff. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Thanks, Ed. Yep. Uh, make sure you follow him. One of my favorite guys. And he just, sometimes when Booger McFarlane has something that is sort of funny or like overly football, he, uh, Josh will just post a picture of Booger smiling. And I don't know why, but it just gives me joy. Um, so we're going to go right from Josh into a former Minnesota Viking, spent a long time in his career with the Cincinnati Bengals, and a good guy to cover from a reporter standpoint. I don't know, um, George Iloka joining us. George, is that like a big compliment or not? Or do you not want to be the guy that reporters like? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't I've, I've had a good relationship with the media during my time in the NFL, so 
think it's a good thing just to be somebody that people, you know, have a good time talking to and feel like they can get, you know, some good inside information from. Well, George, when I saw you were starting a podcast, I thought, well, this makes a lot of sense because you always are a very insightful interview for anybody in the media, and we appreciate that. So it's called the Gym Bag Podcast, and I wanted to get you on to talk a little football, but also I think it's really interesting that a lot of former NFL players are turning to podcasts and creating their own little post-career brands um, to continue to stay a part of the game. Joe Thomas is on NFL Network, and that started with him doing the same thing, just starting a podcast. So maybe you can tell me about that decision to do it, um, you know, after you were done with Dallas to start this podcast and go forward that way. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I'm not done yet in terms of, like, I I haven't officially retired. Uh, I'm still looking to play. But sports broadcasting is something I've wanted to do for the last, you know, few years. And right now I've actually had the time. So I got hurt in Dallas, you know, messed up my shoulder. So I've been really been rehabbing this off season, and I'm like, you know, this is a good time to really jump jump into it because I'm doing it completely by myself, and it really takes up a lot of hours of my day. So once I'm done working out, it's what I spend the most of my day doing. So people don't know the last two years I took the broadcasting boot camp. It's like a little partnership between the NFL, Bowling Green University, uh, NFL Network, ESPN, Fox, and things like that. And so this is something that I really wanted that I really want to do. You know, when I'm officially done, whenever that may be. And so this is a good time for me to kind of just start my own content and kind of just, you know, work my craft. Because one thing I realized when I took the boot camp was a lot of preparation and work that goes into it that people don't see. Like, Mm -hmm. people really think, you know, everyone on Twitter thinks like, you know, I have a good take. And there's really a lot of preparation, you know. And I probably don't spend as much time as you guys spend or the the time, that you know, as much time as the people on ESPN spend in terms of prepping in the green room. But, you know, for a a single podcast show for me and and my co-host, at least on my end, you know, I spend about an hour, you know, prepping in terms of, like, you know, my points and what I want to get, you know, what I want to get out there and, and things like that let alone I do my editing by myself. So there's a lot of work that goes into it that people don't realize, and uh, and there's a lot of, like, mechanics, like small mechanics, whether it's radio, TV, podcast, that you can always improve on. So for me, during this time, I was like, you know, just work on that and, you know, put your own content out, uh, you know, work your craft, and always have something to say. And then another thing about it, the reason why I decided to, you know, start with the podcast, because I've been fortunate enough to, you know, you know I've had a job in terms of in the NFL, but, it wasn't really work. It was just something that I always loved to do, and I was mm-hmm. able to do it for, you know, seven to eight years. And the same thing with, you know, talking about sports or, you know, people who, you know, keep up with me on Twitter or on Instagram, they know I always have a lot to say, especially about sports and other things. And so this still doesn't feel like a job. Now, the editing and, you know, the time I spent trying to learn all the software and things like that, maybe, but it was still fun because it's something new and something challenging. So even this doesn't feel like work, so I still probably never work a day in my life and I was fortunate enough, you know, obviously to make the amount of money in the NFL that I was able to, that this is not, it's not something that as a foreseeable future, unless I, the stock market crash, you know what I mean? <laughs> that I'm, you know, looking to in terms of like, oh, I'm just trying to make money. I'm just doing what I love. And it, so far in my life, doing what I love has happened to pay off. So uh, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. So is, is your plan, George, to just keep going with this and see how things play out? See if another NFL team wants to sign you at some point. If they don't, just go forward with the media career? Well, I'm just going. So the one thing about, you know, the media uh, lane or the media career, the media avenue, at least for me, is right away I realized, like, I don't know how to navigate it. You know, first and foremost, in football, you kind of know how to navigate it. It's like the steps are 
high school, you know, you have to do well, make it on varsity, do well, get a scholarship to somewhere, do well in, in college, uh, get invited to the combine and or uh, do well at your pro day, you know, get in. It's like this kind of steps and it's really just a lot that you could control, honestly. In football, and that's one thing between, and that's the only thing that scares me about the broadcasting world, and this is what they taught me, uh, you know, at the boot camp. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's like 90, 93, it's about 97% of like what you say, the content and things like that, and are you being insightful? Can you inform the listeners and things like that? But it's like 3% that you either have it or you don't, or people either like what you say or don't, and you can say the exact same thing. Uh, the exact, two, two different people could say the exact same thing, and it might not hit the same way with the other person. So, And when it comes to TV, which is not really my focus now, uh, truth be told, you know, if it happens, it happens, but I'm really not, I really don't want that schedule. I really want to, if I'm done playing, I do want to take a break for mm-hmm. a while in terms of any kind of, you know, real schedule and routine. Is TV, you know, they, they eat up a lot of your hours. I mean, shout out to Ryan Clark, and he's doing a tremendous job there at ESPN. But have you seen him? He's, I mean, this, the first show, he's on there, and he's on there on the last show. So that's not something I'm currently looking for right now. Even though I'm a hard worker and things like that, I just look, I just like where I'm at right now and what I'm doing at my own pace. And then another part about the whole broadcasting, uh, you know, in the sports media world is uh, in terms of navigating, I don't know how to navigate it. So I'm just really just putting out my own content, working my craft and doing what I, I want to do and doing what I need to do to improve myself. And uh, if opportunity comes, it comes. But it's not like you don't like you call it like when I want to get a tryout or I want to see how things are feeling about me, you know, in the NFL, I call my agent up and say, you know, what are they talking about? Oh, they say this, they want to wait. Uh, or, you know, they want to see this young guy, whatever the case may be is. I don't know how to navigate the sports uh, broadcasting world. So I'm just kind of like doing my own thing right now. And, and it's been fun. It's been great. Well, so, yeah, that's kind of, I, I'm, I would be willing to help, George, uh, but I can tell you that it's a, it's a weird path. It's never a normal path, like Absolutely. you said, with, with football. I, I called um, indoor football league games where the place where they were playing them was too small to kick field goals. So the field goal <laughs> would hit the roof, and then the referees would just decide, like, okay, I think that was headed in, so it's good. Um, you know, that was yeah. one, that was one of my first gigs. So you kind of never know what's going to uh, spark you in the, in the right media direction. You know, absolutely. And, and, and it really, I mean, it's every, every now, I mean, guys see the guys that you know. People see the guys who make it like straight to ESPN or straight to the booth. You see the Tony Romo's, you see the uh, uh, Jason Wins, but those are like rare, rare examples. And obviously, the names you know played into them getting those jobs, but then obviously their performance either kept them or not in those jobs. But the majority of people, especially non-athletes, it's not an, it's not a quick path. It's, you know, you guys went to college. You know, like you said, you're over here calling games at some small rinky-dink, you know, arena or stadium, <laughs> yep. and then you've worked your way up. And that's just how it goes because uh, Booger was there at the uh, – you know, and it's funny because I heard you talk about Booger before I came on. Booger, when they talked about his story, how he was calling high school games just, you know, yep. and things like that, just trying to work his craft. I don't even know if he was doing it for money at the time, but whenever he was done with the league, he was like, let me just do this, work this craft, work this craft. And as much, you know, slack that he get, uh, you know, as much, you know, uh, mess that people talk about him on Twitter, I don't get it. And, and I, honestly, it's not easy. That, that, what's, that's the hardest part. Uh, color analyst, always having something to say, but not just anything, but something insightful, it's pretty hard. So uh, I really uh, look up and admire, you know, the path that he's taken and the path that you guys have taken. And it's, it's not, it's not, the majority of stories are like your own or like boogers. They're not like the Tony Romo, who's a rare, 
a case of just like excellence, you know, right out the gate. But um, the majority of the path, it, it is the long, it is a long path, and I know that. And so this is kind of this is kind of how I'm starting out. Well, I can relate to Booger making a mistake every once in a while. I called minor league baseball games too, and uh, one night thought thought the ball left the ballpark, called it a home run, gave <laughs> gave my big home run call. That one's gone. It was a ground rule double. It hit the ground and bounced out. So the guy stopped at second. Is like. Well, I'd just like to inform the listening audience that that was indeed not a home run. Uh, so, you know. The, was that before or after Twitter? Was uh, after Twitter? Luckily, that, really was, that was early Twitter. Otherwise, I'm sure that fans of that minor league team, whatever ones were oh, yeah. out there, would have smoked me for it. And, uh, you know, so it, it goes, along, goes along with the gig. You're yeah. right. Absolutely. In 2019, you can't make a mistake. <laughs> they're, they're on you quick on Twitter. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, George Iloka, we're talking to former... Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say former. Still current NFL yeah. player, but not playing right current, now in the NFL. Current NFL free agent. Yeah. Current NFL free agent, absolutely, yes. yes, how, yes. how has it been not playing, and how much has this helped you? Uh, it's been good. I mean, I guess because I was hurt that it didn't really... You know, I wasn't really pressed, so to say. I mean, I was ready at any moment, but uh, it, it was. it's been different. You know, I have a different appreciation for the game not not that i didn't appreciate it but i don't know like i would say the first couple of weeks it was kind of like rough and but not anymore it's just more so like i realize a lot of things are out of your control i i still believe in my abilities i feel like there's a lot of teams out there especially with the bad some of the bad ball i've seen out there this year that i can help but at the same time if you're in this league long enough you know it's not about that you, you know it's a there's so many different things that play into it uh money uh, salary cap mm-hmm. and what guy they drafted, are they even playing for this year still? Not tanking, so to say, but are they just developing for the future right. and things like that. So, you know, I've been called, uh, at least with what my agent said, a couple of teams, you know, referred to me as they said, like, I'm a stopgap player, which means essentially you're a guy that if they bring in a, you know, a decent uh, round draft pick safety, you're going to beat them out year in and year out, but you're also, they don't see you as the future, so to say, or right. somebody that they, want, they have long-term plans with, and you're essentially stopping or stunting that player's growth, even though at the current moment they're not better than you. So when things like that happen and, something, and you know, in, in my time with, uh, you know, the Cowboys this offseason and things like that, you see that there's a lot of things out of your control, and I don't ever dwell on things that's out of your control. I just try to, you know, be a good person and control what I control, which is, you know, I, I work out every day. I'm in shape. I train like as if I'm still going to get a call because you never know what could happen. And whatever happens, happens. But uh, that's just part of that's just part of the NFL journey. It's just part of the NFL process. You realize that as you go through it. Well, George, let, let's give some people some example of your uh, analytical abilities when it comes to the game. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you some football questions here before we let you go. I mean, the Vikings are in the thick of a playoff race. Uh, you were with this team last year. Um, how far do you think that they can go? I mean, a couple of things. The sky, I mean, they still control their destiny. I know they took a loss to the Seattle Seahawks, and that was disappointing because everybody came down on Monday night, Kurt. You know, my guy, Kurt Cousins, everyone was tough on him because he was 0-8. Frank currently is 0-8 on Monday night football. But if you watch the game, he did enough for them to win. Uh, you can't account for the defense uh, rarely giving up 200-plus yards rushing. That's not something that you would expect out of a Coach Zimmer-type defense. And there's a lot of – no one, uh, and this is the part that really caught me off guard, uh, the special teams play. Yeah. Uh, a missed kick, right? A fake punt that was converted and a, bl- and a botch and a fumbled on the kick return play. So there's a lot of things that, you know, if you watch the whole game, you saw that you don't really think is going to happen a lot. So I'm still, I'm still high on this team. I still think 
uh, whatever they are to accomplish this year is still in front of them. But they they better not take a break because then they better not you know take a deep breath and relax because there's a couple teams uh, on their heels: mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams. All right, and the Los Angeles Rams play Dallas. You know, they play them next week, not this week, next week. I'm sorry, and and then after that, then the, then the Vikings play the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So with a team like that playing the Cowboys, and they're going the Minnesota Vikings going up to Los Angeles. I'm, I'm not going to call it tracking. I'm, I say the Rams. I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, I'm sorry. right? Yeah. Excuse me. Yes, I'm not going to call it a trap game, but the last time we, because I was there last year, went to Los Angeles, at least on defense, we got our teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We couldn't. We couldn't really stop anybody. Um, and I'm not going to say it's because of a lack of focus, but I can say just in my time in the league, from Texas and on west. I mean, I'm sorry, in Texas and on east. When you travel to the West Coast and you get that extra day, uh, it just throws off your schedule. Uh, guys like to not go out and party, but, you know, guys, because you go there extra days so on the Friday, you like to go out, see family, and go out to eat. It just It's hard to lock in. So mm-hmm. and a couple of teams that go out there this year to play in Los Angeles, whether it's the Chargers or the Rams, they sometimes struggle. Now, I think this team has enough veterans where they can handle it. They saw what happened last year. So that's a game they cannot afford to lose. It, to me, it has the potential to be a trap game. But, yeah, like I said, they still control their destiny. Um, uh, and I have high hopes for them. Uh, George, as long as... well, well, you, well, you called Cousins your guy, Kirk. Um, well, can you tell, <laughs> tell us something about being in the room with Kirk Cousins that we wouldn't know from the outside? Uh, I think you've seen. I mean, how he is on camera, for the most part, is how he is in, is in person. He's very energetic, positive, he's vocal, you know, um, despite all the criticism that he receives. Between him and Dak, they're the most criticized quarterbacks, you know, in the league. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, he's pretty He's pretty positive. He takes ownership when, you know, he makes mistakes. And I just thought he was a well-rounded person in terms of how he conducted himself as a quarterback. Obviously, you know, there's there's things as a player that he wishes and other people wish, you know, he would he would do better, things like that. But him as the person – and a character and, and, and high character guy that he is, I have really been bad to say about him. He really embraces everybody that comes into the locker room, uh, and, and he's someone that I look to as a leader when, and when I was there. George Iloka, you can follow him on Twitter at George underscore Iloka. That is I-L-O-K-A. The Gym Bag Podcast. Uh, I've started uh, paying attention to it, listening. I'm going to subscribe using uh, iTunes there. Uh, George, really great stuff. I'm excited to hear your opinions, and I hope we can have you on again soon, man. Great stuff. No, thanks for having me on here. Thank you. Yep, for sure. George Iloka. Um, current NFL free agent and former Minnesota Viking, and it's good. Like I, I, when I saw that he had a podcast, I said, oh, okay, great, because I had talked to George a few times in the locker room. Just a very smart, very insightful guy, as you could hear, and great stuff. So if you missed any of our conversation with George Iloka or Josh Hermsmeyer, make sure you subscribe to our show, which is uh, Purple Daily. Just go wherever you get your podcast, leave a comment, leave a... Uh, five stars, I guess, or however many stars you want to give. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get to our playoff picture thing, round table, preview, not really preview. We're really good at naming analysis. things here. This should have been your job today. Round uh, table. All right, round uh, table. Phil Mackey and Judd in to talk playoff picture when we return. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. 
Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.